Hi everyone, Andrew here. I wanted to give you some context for today's podcast. We're excited to share with you a conversation that we had together as a group on a book club. Uh, the book that we reviewed is First Break All the Rules by Marcus Buckingham. And while the conversation is a little choppy, it is edited for time and content. Uh, the original discussion was about an hour. This one is about 23 minutes. We felt like we, we wanted to give everyone an example of what a book club discussion might actually sound like. It's organized, mostly. It does follow an agenda. Uh, it's a little bit like making sausage, though. It's a discussion that went in a couple different directions, and we captured quite a few uh, takeaways ourselves internally that we're going to implement and, and good reminders. And we hope that this serves an as an example for everyone listening, that your team can do this. It may not feel quite organized, but a lot of great stuff comes out of it. We hope you enjoy the conversation and encourage you all to start discussions in your own company. Uh, all right, so first break all the rules. Uh, we have two, before we jump in, we, there are two outcomes we were hoping for. Um, one, we said we're hoping to make an outline out of this. So whatever information we discuss, that there could be an outline. This is a foundational book. So Jared and new coaches, that there, there might be a training outline for this. Um, personally, uh, I'm very curious in my own personal outcome is uh, as a book, do we, do we have enough tools and the right tools to help Summit members implement these things? I think we do more than we realize. Um, so I'm hoping to uh, review that as well. Why don't we start off with a quick summary of the book and or takeaways, of course, my favorite. So I'll, I'll go around the horn. Let's give everybody um, a minute to discuss their favorite takeaways. Steve, I'll start with you. Um, probably thing that I, I, I wrote down and underlined was the that no system or steps lead to customer satisfaction. Just prevent dissatisfaction, and that really kind of resonated like hmm. a takeaway. So that was my number one big takeaway. Um, and I think the uh, um, the managing uh, the the manager spending time with the best people, you know, um, that's something my team doesn't do. I mean, I, it's just, I, and I, but I know it's something I always had. So that's something I've always practiced. Like I focus on good people, the best people on my team and I spend my time there. And, uh, I, I realized that my, my field supervisors don't do that. They spend their time with their weakest. And, um, and I've lost this year, I lost one of my best lead painters, you know, so, um, that was my two That's such a good reminder, Steve. That's such a good reminder. Yeah. Is there, do you have any thoughts on how you want to reframe that now in your, in your business? Yeah, I, we're, I, I'm going to, uh, this has kind of been boiling, but uh, we're starting a leadership, uh, a, a, a leadership, I don't even know what I want to call it, but uh, leadership training. We're going to use the leadership pathways. Is that what it's called? Um, we're going to start using that competencies, competencies. There we go. Just to get it straight, yeah, yeah, competencies. Um, we're uh, we're starting that next month with all of my um, field supervisors, all starting with them, and then we're going to cascade it down to lead painters 
and uh, then right hands. And so we're kicking that off. And, and this is going to be a major part of it, which what this which is in the list already as a read. Um, but this will be a ma major part of it with our team. I'm, uh, I do have one concern, which is just the reading of the book. You know, it's I've struggled in the past getting my team to read. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking about there's some really good YouTube videos that are paraphrased or shrunk. Go ahead. Can I um can I jump into that too? Because I uh, um Steve, I also was searching last night. Um, I've got an eight-page summary that I found that Marcus, whatever his name is, wrote and put together. Yeah. Also, I think would be for me. It's the hardcover thing, hard copy yeah. thing. So. Colin. Colin. Yeah. First, break all the rules, then put the rules back together again. Um, so. For me, it was a lot of what we already teach. Um, so good reminders. The things that I took away was that going off what Steve said, right? We, we, we focus on worse people. So I'm bringing this into my world when I'm on my coaching calls. We're spending our time trying to put out fires and fix problem employees. But we don't ever, I don't ever say, how are you going to spend time with your great employees this month or this week, right? So we could help remind people of that, um, as opposed to just always focusing on their the bottom. Uh, but the biggest new thing I took away was let people use their strengths. Uh, you don't need to fix everyone, but put people in the right seats to use their strengths. But then started to make me think about, you know, we, we do IDPs. You know, how do you balance fixing people with developing people? Um, and what's how do you know if someone can't be developed and, and when they shouldn't be? Uh, Bri, uh, takeaway, and this needs work, casting for talent, casting for talent. We, we use DISC. How, how can we incorporate this evaluation into placing people in the right roles? My third takeaway were the, the uh, camps. And I was in these 12 big areas and the fact that they are in priority order. It didn't occur to me until I read the book that, you know, it's like, it's like the oxygen. If you, don't, if you don't have the things, if you don't have the first, second, and third ones, but you have the top ones, you're still not going to keep, <clears throat> keep good people. So <clears throat> understanding the priority order of those 12 main measuring sticks. And my last one is really a challenge for the group because um, I don't think this book addressed it all that well. The, books, the book really gets at you can't fix weaknesses. And um, it, I think it was written before the dawn of neuroplasticity. And how can you fix a weakness? Does someone really want a weakness? So how we talk about that, because we know we, we spend a lot of time trying to help people fix people. When is it thrown out? When do we really work on someone? When does someone really want to work on improving it? Those are my takeaways. Carter. Uh, yeah, so I, there was a, something in there about how when organization, when an organization helps customers learn, they create a very special bond. And for me, that was, felt like that directly related to us. Um, I've heard quotes on mastermind calls 
such as we are a wealth of knowledge. And uh, I've heard at workshops how we keep finding new ways to innovate and come up with different things. So I feel like that was super relevant to what we do. Um, also, there was something in there about how uh, low-ranking employees can actually make like a lot of money, like way more than some higher-ranking employees. I was curious <laughs> if we could incorporate some of that into our thinking. Nice. 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 You're good, Carter. You're good. <laughs> nice, Carter. <laughs> okay. Thanks for a great meeting, everybody. Have a nice day. <laughs> Molly. <laughs> Going back to this book is old. Brian's right because it mentioned Amazon.com a couple times as an online bookseller and how far Amazon has come. See, Brian, I did read the book. That's wow. on page All I can read. No, that's on page 131. I had it. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting was the no, uh, the no news is a bad thing. Like you think you let your, your, your highest producers go. No news is good news, but actually no news is a killer because the, they ultimately, um, you're not following their behaviors consistently. And so there's, your job as a manager is to be rewarding good behaviors and kind of re-altering poor producing behaviors. And so when you leave someone off to their own discretions for too long, some people can kind of fall back and be doing things and get used to a habit that they shouldn't be doing. No, I can, let's capture that quote. That's a great quote. No news is bad news, mm -hmm. as opposed to no news is good news. It's, it's your job as a manager to be, no to news, be updated. No news kills behavior. Mm. Uh, D. Um, I, from what I can remember, um, I think the biggest statement that he made that kind of impacted me was that a manager is a catalyst, not necessarily a leader. And I think that those terms get confused a lot. A manager is managing people in the processes and not necessarily, you know, driving a vision from the get-go. Um, so I like that. And I like the idea of, you know, although um, you can't necessarily correct a weakness, you can, if somebody is a good worker overall, you can put some things into place that might offset something in the process to make them productive or have the desired outcome. So putting in supports, like that example of the one, um, one woman who couldn't count, like they had a special needs person who was frying chicken and she couldn't count. So she didn't know like how many pieces needed to go in the basket to fill the basket, but they, went to a different distributor who could package the chicken so that they could support her in the job that she was doing because otherwise she was performing. So um, so I think keeping in mind in, in and apropos to what Colin had said, we already um, we're in line with a lot of these things. It's just slightly different. Like that to me is um, like doing something like that, that's, that's situational leadership. That's looking at a task and saying, where are you in that task? Not necessarily in the entire job. Um, and then in the talent piece and in the interviewing, I feel like, you know, what Andrew put together with the position visions from hiring talent, um, those 
those interviews, we really do dive deeper and ask the questions that need to be asked. So I felt like listening to that was just kind of hearing, you know, some of our, you know, coaches training, you know, in going over some of the tools that we have in place. So good on us, I guess. Cool. Uh, Catherine. Um, so I'm going to dovetail right off of what Dee said, because that to me was what resonated the most. And maybe it's because I'm doing the position vision work right now with Painters USA. Um, the um, interviewing, the art of interviewing for talent, I think, is critical and felt like it was uh, like a, a clarion bell Um because the ability to uh, both ask the right questions and listen to the right answers, I think it, as we're talking about hiring talent and looking at position visions and creating questions, we, we would be remiss in not directing people to this particular chapter because it's, it's skill building. It's not just discussion, it's skill building. What are you listening for? Here are the questions, what are you listening for? What's the difference between a predictive answer and an appropriate answer? So um, I found that was my biggest way. Um, for me, uh, I, I think I'm dovetailing a lot of people, but the thing that kept repeating in my head was friendliness training and how that the relationship with the direct supervisor is really the key thing. And that's early on in the book. And then as, as I kept reading, um, just friendliness training and Nolan Painting does that in their orientation. Um, DM, I'm with you. I got it on Kindle and I, I wish I had just gotten a book. I need a book. I, I just can't do electronics. Um, I, I also loved how so many of the other books we read dovetailed this book. I mean, hiring talent was all the way through it. Um, uh, what was, oh, uh, situational leadership. You know, if somebody's, I, I think, rephrasing it, um, you know, if it, it was talking about, D, you were saying this, if somebody's a D zero, get them out. But if they're at least trying, if they're interested and they seem to be working hard, um, then, they, then, then there's probably a way to, to develop them the thing that I, I struggle with the most that I've, I've always struggled with with this book is their assertion that I'm like Brian said with that people don't change and I've I've just never believed that I mean even in my own life I, I feel like I haven't changed that much so they're right in some ways but I think I've changed a lot in some ways my when I was in the golf business you guys you wouldn't even recognize me I was a shell of myself. So I, I do think people change and that dovetails Matthew Kelly with being uh, his three things that he talks about that people need to change, working with people, identifying outcomes. When you're clear about the outcomes, people can change their own behaviors. I, I think the biggest, the last thing I'll say is it, it seems to me in this book maybe puts the capstone on it, which is in the absence of clear outcomes, people can't change. People don't change. I, I'm, I'm inserting my own interpretation in that. But when you do clearly define outcomes, what's the real outcome we're looking for here? And give people room in the sandbox to do it a little bit their own way. 
people can grow and change? I think the 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 people can change, but Brian hit something important and it ties into the situational leadership. Does somebody have the commitment, the interest, the you know, the desire um, to either do the project or get better? That that to me is maybe the Yeah, yeah, I think that's true, but I, I think there's a core belief that people can change. We got to start there. And then then what does it take to change? And yes, it takes desire, but people can change. It might take hard work. Um, D then Brian or D then Brian. So I I actually um, what resonated me with to me with the book was that um, you can't um, as opposed to weakness you can't correct a non talent. So. That's, that's where the change may not be able to occur is like if someone just does not have the capacity, the interest, the desire, the, the even natural ability to do something, you can't, you can't correct that. So it's a, what I really liked is that it's a casting error, um, which makes that so much easier to say you aren't a good fit it's a casting error that you, mm -hmm. your, your talents should be um, maximized in another position, whether that position's in the company, whether another role can be created that maximizes because they're so, their talents are so great in other areas, or maybe it's maximized outside the company. But I, I, I think, I believe that, that, um, that the way they're describing talents in a certain sense, you can't you can't put somebody in if they're not a natural problem solver. You can't put them into a position where they are solving problems day in and day out and have them be successful. I'd I'd make it. I'm a low C. I'm never going to be a high C. I'm never going to be good in a role that's a high C. But that said, there are things I can adapt. And I think to your point, when Sean Kennedy and I did the Clifton the new Clifton reports that this fulfills it ranks strengths and if and those strengths that are on the bottom probably are going to be harder to gain than the ones that are in the middle and so i i think that i think the report mirrors that brian so on on this casting error topic just to follow up on on d i think it's true but i i think that managers are too quick to mark someone as a bad casting error, as a casting error. And what is a manager's responsibility in truly understanding whether someone can do the work? The managers fire someone before they've, they've managed them or they've understood them or they've understood whether or not the person can, whether there is talents in there that just haven't been untapped. Do we remember um, the, the three things that Kelly said to, to determine if someone can change? I want to make sure we all know these three. I use these three all the time in coaching, and it's extremely effective. What are the three things to determine whether or not someone can change? Coachability. Committed, coachability. coachable, and aware. Desire. Committed, coachable, Commitment. and aware. What's yeah. that? Andrew, say it again. Committed, coachable, and aware. <clears throat> Commit in that order. So the awareness is about the behaviors. I understand, oh, this is what it means. 
And when, if they can, so this has to be worked on. I guess to my point is, managers can be too quick to determine casting errors. And they have work to do to make sure that they've done their job to be a catalyst. There's, a, there's another book that this dovetails, uh, which is called um, Creating a Leadership Revolution. I'm pretty sure it's, it's leadership, I think it's, I think it's Creating a Leadership Revolution, but it talks about the three, the three things that employees need to be hungry, honable, and honorable. And just D circling back to your point about fit. If they're those three things, then then they same again. Find a spot for same them. again. Hungry, hungry, honable, coachable, and, and honorable. honorable. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it dovetails. Hungry, honable, honorable. But it's a uh, it's a good book. Um, I, I want to move on to, before I do. I want I want to move on to another section of the conversation. But first, mm -hmm. Catherine, any other final comments? No, I just, I, it, it's something that um, I, speaking of the, the trainability, I think something that um, was key in the book and, and as we're talking about maybe changes to the IDP, um, how do you learn um, as, a, as a question to ask when we're talking about developing people, how, how do you learn? Because that's, that could be a component to the, the coachable piece. If we're, if we're, if, if, if I need, like that. if I need a book, then it doesn't matter if you've got an audible, it's not going to work for me. That's really good. If, if I might, in conjunction yeah. with that, Catherine, that, that was an awesome point. And the other thing that I really liked only because um, Comcast did this with their people like a month ago is how do you like your feedback? How do you want to receive feedback? Oh. Like, do you want praise? Like, do you want praise every day? Do you want um, just recognition that you completed something? Um, do you just want corrections? So that's a, that like resonate, like that book, uh, this book that we just read um, definitely uh, reminded me of something that Chris got a quiz like last, like last month on it. Can you send us that quiz? I think that fits under friendliness training. Do do all of our crew leaders? I'll ask know. him if he can share it. I don't know if it's a web thing for Comcast, screenshot. but maybe he can give me a screenshot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all that's right. Awesome. So, I mean, I, I really, by the way, I really like that because that sets the stage that I'm going to give you feedback. That goes back to Molly's news. No news is bad news, right? So how do you want your feedback? I, I like that. So I think giving people one i think d so one thing i'll say is d I, I think how do we help crew leaders with what i was calling friendliness training and part of if i'm friends with someone i know how to give them feedback so I, your comment made me think you know the supervisors and crew leaders do they know how everybody wants to be talked to and have they asked or are they just assuming i think that's one thing we could do um what do we do now steve any as, how do we how do we implement this now? Yeah, I don't, I don't I, you know, I don't know in our in our coaching. I guess my brain is thinking more about in my pocket in, in what I'm doing with Lancaster painting than coaching. So yeah, that too, Lancaster painting too. How are you going to implement this? Because what you do, we could tell someone else to do. Yeah, 
you know, I, I think uh, right now we're going to be running through the videos and I'm going to be this in that learn, uh, I'm going to be using my team. I'm going to, I'm going to start having this leadership competencies with this book starting out and just reviewing that with my team. And then I'm going to try to cascade it down. So I, I want my team to work, work through this and just get their head wrapped around it. I realized that all that information stopped with me. Um, you know, I mean, it's, I, I, I haven't cascaded it down. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to some highlights from our book club discussion on First Break All the Rules. The organic discussion and the team involvement really generated some great takeaways internally with our own team here at Nolan Consulting Group. We hope you also found it interesting and perhaps provided some encouragement to start your own book club. Whatever you do, we encourage you to start somewhere. Start reading, start listening to the wonderful resources that do exist in this industry. And be sure to actively engage those takeaways. Cascade them down, just as Steve Talkington was saying at that very end there. Cascade them down to your team. When you do that, that's where you see results. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business consulting firm with coaches located around the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd like to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.